The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Marketing Signals Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about understanding your consumer's mindset through marketing signals. With us today is Ross Gates and Brian Colligan, who are the co-founders of Gravity, which is a series of audience monitoring solutions that enables brands to find real-time buying intent signals like fundraising status, job changes, and various other real-time data points that arm marketers with a reason to start a conversation with their in-market prospects. So yesterday we talked about what a marketing signal actually is. And today we're going to talk about how the most powerful companies in the world are actually marketing signal companies. Okay, here's the second installment of Marketing Signals Week with Ross Gates and Brian Colligan from Gravity. Ross, Brian, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Ben, thank you for having us. This is awesome. Super excited to talk about all these powerful signal companies. Excited to continue the conversation Yesterday, we talked about what a marketing signal is. And I think that just to reiterate some of the things we talked about for anybody that didn't listen, you got your demographic and your geographic data, who someone is and where they are. The combination of your event data mixed with user intent is really what makes up a marketing signal. What happened in someone's life that they're broadcasting? And does it mean that that person is going to be interested in your products or service? That's a marketing signal. Let's talk about who actually commoditizes marketing signals. Who are the biggest, best companies in the world and why are they marketing signals companies? The biggest companies in the world are platforms that provide value for free and they take your questions and input. A signal is the most valuable right when you put your intent into a platform. That's why something like Google is one of the most powerful companies in the world because you type your question, you type your desire into it and they know at the exact moment that you type in your question that they can sell something to you. Google's got Gmail and autonomous cars and stuff, but they make most of their money from advertising. So their marketing signal that they're selling to everyone who uses AdWords is, what do their users want right now? Absolutely. Facebook is amazing as well too. So there's some like crazy numbers out there that uh, there's a Facebook developer, his name was Tristan Harris. He started talking about the Facebook algorithm and they do things that you're not even conscious of the signals that they're getting from the platform. As you scroll through the app and you just for half a second stop on Instagram or stop on Facebook and you take a glance, 
they're knowing that you're interested in that before your conscious mind even knows that it's interested in that image or those words that it read. These two companies are amazing. Every time you type into the search engine and Google gives you that ad, that intent is the highest. It's almost like a genie in the bottle granting you a wish, right? Because you're just one click away or two clicks away from buying that solution to your problem that you need or want. So I understand that Facebook and Google, Google being an obvious one, I am typing in what I am looking for, right? There is obvious not only user intent, but that then because I'm searching, there is a signal. And they can market and monetize by showing ads based on your queries. That is kind of the blocking and tackling of what a signal is. But when I think about some of the other companies that are advertising platforms, it's not always clear that those are intense. If I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and I'm flipping up and down and I happen to stop scrolling for a second, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm interested in that piece of content. If I like it or click it, sure, maybe that's the case. But a lot of that is user-generated content, not advertising content. Tell me how Facebook ingests data and is the interaction with their platform, the only data that indicates what their user intent is. Nowadays, that's really all they need. So you think that you're not giving information when you're scrolling through the interface. When you glance and you stop, you're giving more information than you actually know that you're giving. So machine learning these days knows a lot more about people than people know about themselves. And Google or Facebook, for example, has more users and more data points to learn from than a lot of other websites out there. So the question is, how are you giving Facebook data? I have a friend who would run ad campaigns on Facebook, and he would say, there's no point in setting your own audience because you don't know who actually wants to buy your product better than Facebook does. With machine learning, Facebook has access to more people than most websites. So whether or not they're even aware of exactly what told the platform that someone wanted to buy your product, your pair of red pants, your piece of software, Facebook can optimize for it in its algorithms. If you set your conversion to say, when someone goes to my website and pays me money, I will pay Facebook. It's in Facebook's best interest to make it so that people click and spend money with you. So if you can get it in front of enough people, my friend would try to get an ad in front of 100,000 people, Facebook gets enough data to figure out who out of those 100,000 people are going to buy and make a targeted audience for you based on random actions that a machine learning algorithm might see how they all work, even if a person can't. I got to push back. You know, we run campaigns on the MarTech podcast where we're generally targeting marketers, right? People who Facebook knows are marketers. You can't really go into Facebook and just say, I don't care who it is, just get them to listen to my content. We start with known marketers. And those campaigns do not perform as well when we're using a lookalike audience based on people that we know are consumers of the MarTech podcast. We have to feed Facebook data that says at least, hey, these people are podcast listeners and likely marketers. And then our conversion rates go up. So if Facebook is so great, why do the lookalike audiences that we use, right? we're giving them a signal of saying, these are marketers that listen to podcasts, our podcast, go find more of them. It seems like we have to feed them that data to get the machine learning to understand what we're talking about. I hate this answer, but it depends, right? So when you're talking consumer versus B2B, and you're kind of like in a prosumer space, the world isn't as big as you think it is, right? So when you're talking about B2B, it's maybe your entire audience might be 80,000 or 100,000 people in the entire world that would listen to your podcast. I'm not really sure. Hopefully more than that. Yeah. When you talk about B2C, you're talking about millions of people as a target audience, right? So the audience is much larger and wider. So the tactic that we're talking about was specifically for a B2C approach. 
you want to just let like Facebook run its algorithms and do its thing as like long as there's a big enough audience. What you're doing is you're starting to curve down the audience. So a B2B approach or a prosumer approach, you definitely have to be more targeted because there aren't as many targets out there. So we were talking about how Facebook is a marketing signals company and that they understand based on your interactions with their app, but Facebook is also ingesting data from other sources. I'm pretty sure when I make a credit card purchase, Facebook knows. They know that I like to buy casual comfort shoes or nice socks, whatever it is, because all the ads that I get on Facebook are shoes, socks, and other things for guys my age. Talk to me about how platforms like Google and Facebook are taking in other data to understand marketing signals. I think an interesting one is like they have these tentacles that are out there. They get the signals. For Google, it's kind of obvious. It's Chrome. So they have like this thing where they won't look into your certain ad campaigns or certain things to influence SEO. But Chrome itself is part of their terms of service. If you're working on SEO, they're allowed to read everything that you do in Chrome from an anonymized version. So Google has Gmail. They have Chrome. Facebook has Instagram. They have WhatsApp. And what you also have is all of the attribution pixels throughout the entire internet. So if you go to like any e-com site right now, you're going to have a Facebook pixel embedded. You're going to have Google Analytics embedded. You're going to have these other conversion rates and tags that are embedded. So this information is there. I think Facebook got in trouble from buying data. I'm not sure if they do that anymore. They definitely did for a very long time. There was this company called Axiom that they basically bought all of the data aggregation companies. They just kept on collecting data. And you used to be able to go into... Google double-click and basically buy Axiom data to use as a targeting audience and programmatic data, it doesn't work as well anymore. But that's because the machine learning algorithms in YouTube and AdWords and Facebook are so incredible. And I think the one third one that we didn't really kind of talk about yet, Amazon, is becoming one of the scariest ones of all. And they're becoming so powerful because they now have more than 50% of all the e-commerce on the internet goes through Amazon, through Prime. And they have all the web servers too. Yeah, so they're getting DNS traffic. They're getting every single search into Amazon. Every Alexa comment. Of course. They're listening to this conversation for sure. I mean, I was an Alexa developer and that stuff is scary what we would get in the different Alexa conversations. We would get like background conversations in the app randomly from our skill being open and would look into the recording. Like it wasn't recording. We'd get the text transcription. I'd be like, that's a random conversation in the background. That's a murder happening. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd we laugh about that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You guys are creeping me out though. Yeah. So Mark Andreessen said that software is eating the world. And it's because that eventually these companies get a data advantage where the other companies can't compete. You can't compete against Google. You can't compete against Facebook. And you cannot compete against Amazon because they have so much data and so much signal that essentially any type of competition, they're going to have more information than you have on any different angle that you compete on with that. So outside of the ad platforms, there's your Googles, your Facebooks, and I'll throw Amazon in there, e-commerce platform. They also do some advertising. What are the other big marketing signals companies that are out there? The first thing that my head goes to is events data, right? Understanding location-based data. There's other you know, credit card companies, obviously have transactional data. What are some of the other places that are collecting marketing signals? This is a funny story. I was in a meeting one time. And there's this company called Yodly. 
So Yodli is this credit card transaction API. It's a banking API. And they basically have 3% of all of the credit card transactions in the United States. So what's super interesting about that is when you aggregate that data and you can look at that at scale, you can understand fundamentally what's happening with a company. There was another company, somebody just told me a story about uh, one of the heads of uh, Stripe. And Stripe has this rule inside their company that they can't trade on public markets with the data that they get inside the public markets because it would be too much of an unfair advantage. So once this executive left, she said that her biggest regret was not investing in Shopify. Just because they could see the advancement of how far Shopify was doing, they would understand fundamentally like how well the revenue generation of that company was going to really fundamentally understand the value of the company. So you didn't get to the answer of my question, which are who are the biggest and other marketing signal companies outside of the obvious ad platforms that are you know sources of data for marketers? So there's different buckets of companies. One is the Facebook, Google, where you can buy for access to an audience. One is like a bunch of blogs and articles. Anyone who creates a blog like Medium or something like that, they have the intent of who cares about what, Stack Overflow, who searches what. There's the companies that scrape big companies like job data, and you can go and buy that scrape data. Yeah, there's like the Zoom infos of the world who, if anybody doesn't know how this works, Zoom info has something that's in people's email signatures, and it's a lot of people. And whenever they send an email, anybody who receives it has their email scraped. And that's how Zoom info collects their data. Like people don't know their data are being aggregated just from receiving an email. And there are other companies that are building in sort of widgets that start doing that data collection. Yeah, there's tons that create engineering as marketing. There's a great company where you can go and say, I want all the companies that use Salesforce. And then on that same page, they'll say, here's a Chrome plugin or here's a website where you can go search your company and see, and we'll tell you what technologies you use or your competitors use. When you're actually doing that, they're immediately scraping the data off of that website so that they can aggregate it and say, okay, Person A specifically cares that you know Shopify uses Salesforce. Now that we know that Shopify uses Salesforce because they searched it for us and they scraped the data on their computer, we can then add it to the list of everyone who uses Shopify or Salesforce and sell it to any party who cares. Yeah, we had a, a sponsor of the MarTech podcast, HG Insights, which does tech intelligence data, which is how do you understand what technology platforms companies are using? So that's another type of data source. So there's these engineering-driven data sources. There's also the people that are in like Upwork and Fiverr and other companies that are taking a manual approach to collecting the data. You know, go onto LinkedIn, search, write somebody's name and email address down, move to the next lead. That's another source. Talk to me about what the right approach to collecting that type of data is. I think it depends on the scale that you need to hit. So if you only need like 100 names, having a virtual assistant, having somebody on Upwork is a great way to do it. It's going to be very deterministic. It's going to be like perfect data or close to perfect data as possible can. What happens though is when you hit around 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 people in your CRM, talking from a B2B context, it's nearly impossible to continually like clean it without programmatic methods, right? So when you're gathering the data at the small scale, you can scale it up. But once you get to like 10, 13, 14 individuals that are mainly going through it, they're stepping over each other, they're duplicating each other's work, they get sick, they have vacation, 
So at some point, you need to get programmatic about how you're collecting data. I want to put a pen in it here because my point of putting this episode together is that, you know, a lot of the times we think of data companies where, you know, Facebook on some level and Google on some level are purely data companies. They have these ad platforms that allow you to essentially buy or rent their data. And there are the other data platforms that create specific types of data. We've had Jeff White from Gravy Analytics on the podcast. Their company looks specifically at event data. What's your location and what does that tell us? That's a great marketing signal job changes. There's all these other ways that you can collect data and specifically real-time data and event signals. So we're going to continue our conversation tomorrow and talk about the right way for you to collect your signal data. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Ross Gates and Brian Colligan, co-founders of Gravity, for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of Ross and Brian's tips to finding marketing signals, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about how to collect signal data. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Ross and Brian, you can find links to their LinkedIn profile in their show notes, or you can visit their company's website, which is launchgravity.com, L-A-U-N-C-H-G-R-A-V-I-T-Y.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.